Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'm happy, very happy to welcome you today on this very special edition of Lunatic Mondays, Echoes of Parliament. And I decided to make this program way before I even went to Parliament, uh, Parliament of the World Religions, for those who probably are wondering, like, what is she talking about? Um, and the funny thing is I decided on the name first, and then I decided on what this, the program was going to look like. Um, and it's basically the first impressions or the fresh-ish impressions of some of the people that went to Parliament. And I say fresh-ish because we are removed a few weeks from uh, actually the ending of Parliament of the World Religions. But it was here in our hometown, Chicago. And it was truly, truly for me, a very, very transformative event. And one of the reasons why it was very transformative, not only for the the commitments in which I participated, which I have already talked about it, it's a blog entry, etc. But I was very happy to follow the lead of my dear friend. Twyla York. Twyla was guiding all of us pagans. And among other things, she recommended uh, make sure you go to the longer um, lunch experience. And she also prompted all of us to make sure that we go beyond only pagan events. And I did a whole lot of incredible things and I met all kinds of incredible people because I listened to Twyla, because Twyla has been to very many parliaments. I think this is her third or second, I don't know. And also, I know she's going to hate me, but I'm sure she'll live. Um, I want to say thank you to Twyla for the Pagan Faith Room and the incredible hospitality that was displayed there. Uh, I know she had a whole bunch of people helping lots and lots of people helping but it wouldn't happen if it didn't have twilight spirit and somebody made a joke and said we have an army signed the christians and we have a twilight signed the pagans i think that is true uh and i personally very i'm I'm very very personally happy because i had me a twilight 365 and today we have our very own army of one, uh, Miss Twyla York. Twyla, welcome to Lunatic Monday's Echoes of Parliament. How are you, honey? I'm doing really well and a bit bashful from that introduction. Well, uh, I know you don't like that kind of attention so much. So that's that. Um, 
first of all, um, how are you doing? You heard your knee the very last day of Parliament. Right at the very end of everything that you did, you went and hurt yourself. How are you doing physically? Are you getting better? Um, luckily, it was. I found out it was only a strained calf muscle, so that's good. Um, it's surprise, surprise, when you walk several hours every day on convention room floors for a week, your your body doesn't really like that. So, um, but I've had time to recover and relax, and um, I'm doing good. I got back into my normal fitness routine, and everything's good. So, um, yeah, that was that was something I did walk about 12,000 steps every day when my average normal is between five and six thousand. So <laughs> I hear you and I know I wasn't doing as much as you did. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so tell us, Twyla, uh, once again, why is it so important that we go to this kind of events, especially people who their spirituality is important? And they want to do outreach or interfaith work. Tell us a little bit about why is it important. So the Parliament of World Religions is so important because I think they quoted a roughly about over 7,000 people. So you have an opportunity to connect as a pagan with all or whatever faith group that you are uh, following um, as this individual, you kind of get to represent and be this little tiny walking representation of this bigger whole. And pagans have had to fight to have representation at Parliament to be seen as a quote unquote legit uh, faith group and um, group of people that belong at Parliament of World Religion. So every year that it comes around, we need that strong representation to show them like hey we're still here this is how we're making a difference this is why we're making a difference and this is why we're important for the other faith groups it's just as important to be there to let your voice be heard so your voice isn't ignored um along with everybody else's in the larger of your group you have an opportunity to meet people from around the world, different languages, different customs, different cultures. And even if you worship the same God, the way you approach it may be vastly different and you can learn from each other. And that learning may be, hey, this is how we're saving our water. This is how we're growing food locally. This is how we are connecting with urban cities to make it better. And that's one thing I don't think people also understand about Parliament, that it's the themes nowadays are not about this faith. It's about global change, climate change, human rights. And no matter what your background is, those are topics that you can get behind. We're running out of clean drinking water. We're running out of clean oxygen. You know, we're eating plastic, essentially. And these are big issues. And that's what Parliament usually is about. And the main core of the conversation is these large global issues that you can be a part of and hopefully make changes within your community, within yourself, and hopefully in the world. That is uh, really what I gathered, what I took out of that. You know, I love that the theme was about uh, freedom, liberation, and human rights and all that. Um, so I did follow your your lead, and I had some amazing experiences. And uh, one of the most uh, treasure memories for me was the longer um, lunch and the dedication. I was I was very content that even though we couldn't sit together because I have mm -hmm. to sit on the uh, disabled people area, uh, we were there waving at each other at one point, and that was fantastic. 
Um, besides that experience that I know you were there, what is one of the moments or some of the most memorable moments that you experienced? Um, one thing real quick. I will say that the inspiration to do things outside of paganism came from Angie Buchanan, um, who was one of the who was the first pagan board member, and she was the one that introduced Andres and Phyllis, who's Phyllis Cross currently on the board, um, to the organization. And she's the one that's the big voice of don't just go to paganism. You have a whole world of different oh, um, religions and cultures and languages and conversations you can have. Go do that stuff. Um, so surprise, surprise to anybody who knows me, I work a lot. Uh, so I definitely didn't get to go to as many panels as I wanted. But the one panel I did go to, and unfortunately, I don't remember her name, um, but she was a woman from Circle Sanctuary, and she taught a class on how faith groups can cater to people with disabilities and specifically invisible disabilities more um, and provide lots of good information about um, invisible disabilities in general and things that the churches and faith groups can be aware of and how to cater with them and to contact with her for more information. That was, that was meaningful for me because it's not a topic that I feel like is talked about enough and really put it in the face of with the numbers and the data and the fact that uh, churches are exempt from ADA, uh, which I did not know about. So that was very, very good information and it was a very good connection. Outside of that, I would say the ritual, the new, uh, the new moon fighting for freedom ritual where we had almost a hundred people show up. And I, so I was just the, um, I organized it and I was the announcer and then I did the welcome speech and then I stepped aside and let the other people take over, including yourself. And kind of how I describe that is I brought all of these, all of these threads together. And then these amazing people wove the tapestry from these threads I put together in the middle and the speech that I gave at the beginning, I haven't been in that headspace before. I haven't spoke that powerful before. And so that was a very memorable and powerful moment for me that I have not had an opportunity to experience. At least from like a personal, like soul changing experience. Um, outside of that, Lunger, which is a meal provided by the Sikh in which you take off, everyone takes off their shoes, wash their hands, cover their heads, and you all sit on the floor unless you have you, you cannot, and but you sit in a row, and it doesn't matter who or what you are, you don't get to differentiate, you just sit. And everyone needs the same thing for as much as you want, and they did it for the entire length of Parliament. The Sikh were also providing turban wrappings for everyone, um, as well as providing the history and the importance of turbans and longer and like that within their faith. Uh, so that's always a extremely powerful, mem memorable moment for me. Um, and then outside of that, just the over, just the connection, the how well the faith room was, how diverse our programming was, um, how diverse the Pagan Voices of Chicago panel was. So that's what I went into my goal going into Parliament this year. I'm like, okay, I'm in charge of this. Cool. Now what? I wanted to, as much as I could, have the opportunity to display the diversity that is paganism. There's a lot of stereotypes that we're all like these white women and we're not. 
and I felt like I did a really good job of between the Pagan Voices of Chicago panels and the Faith Room classes and the ritual. I think the ritual ended up with four different continents and four different languages. And the Faith Room had a wide range of topics. And our, our Pagan Voices of Chicago had an individual with a disability, a transgender individual, people of color, and showed that our voices are very wide. And we're very diverse, and we all work together to make this beautiful tapestry that is paganism. And I think I did a really good job of doing that and bringing that to Parliament. And I'm hoping that the next Parliament, whenever and wherever it is I get to be a part of that, I will still be that push to help bring in that diversity that is paganism. Thank you. So I want to share a couple of things with you, Twyla. Uh, that disability... Um panel that was done by a circle member. Her name is Leah, Lydia Dia Crabtree and her dog, is, her dog is Castiel. And yeah, they did an excellent job. I couldn't be there, but I heard, I have heard so much praise about that. Um, and um, something super funny because these are the experiences that to me make parliament, the human experiences, the ones that are not scripted and the ones that happen um, kind of like at the drop of a pen, right? And yeah. as I was at the longer, uh, I say it wrong all the time, longer. Um, I was getting ready to wrap up and, and go. And I asked the uh, some of the young people that were serving us, I asked them, you know, if I can take a picture and if I could document it a little for my uh, Facebook. They were so welcoming. And so like, yeah, sure, take a picture and whatnot. And I'm getting ready to leave. You love this. Enters a lady with a head wrap. And she looked very lost. And she was looking over the crowd. And and I asked her, you know, are you okay? Do you need anything? And she said to me, well, I'm a Muslim woman. And I'm looking for my friend. And it's usually very easy to find my friend because she's wearing the head wrap and now everybody here is wearing a head wrap <laughs> and I cannot find my friend oh my god we just burst, bursted laughing and it was hilarious and then um I don't know it, it was beautiful to to hear this woman laugh because the one thing that set her and her friend apart usually it had dissipated at longer and I think it's it's beautiful I wanted to share that with you because I think it's hilarious um, that is very funny yeah and and let's uh let's continue bring, bringing this interfaith and interfaith work and Twyla I know I say this in the name of every pagan that was there thank you you are very welcome. It was exhausting, um, but a great honor. And I was glad that pagans, we were badasses. We made a really good, powerful representation through what we did. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future with that. And please take care of yourself because we need our Twyla. And we need our <laughs> for a long, long time. And then hopefully, oh. hopefully people, we start learning by example. And then we start getting more Twyla's. But for now, we have the one, so let's keep her safe, please. Uh, Tyla, 
not only you did a wonderful job representing pagan diversity as a person who is a I don't know, fab, big, and which indigenous immigrant, uh, disabled, I don't know how many other uh, intersections traverse me. Um, thank you, because you did lift our voices. And as in a personal note, as me being all those things, thank you. And thank you for being on the show. And thank you for being my friend. God, I'm so fortunate <laughs> that you and I are actually very good friends. So it was so funny because, uh, Selena Fox asked me before Parliament, so do you know Twyla? Do you actually know Twyla? I'm like, for about 12 years now. And <laughs> oh my God, it has been that long. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for being on the show and to the. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having this like echo. Because um, I feel like sometimes, you know, we do the journaling or we do like the wild hunting, but it'd be nice to have kind of all these voices and even though it's gonna be different time slots to have all these voices together to be like hey this is what I remember this was always good about it this is what brought me joy about it and um I'm looking forward to hearing what your other people say and I will be putting in between you know as I just told you the story of the Muslim woman who told me how to say Muslim properly uh so don't come and try to correct me a Muslim woman told me how to say Muslim and um I will be telling my stories weaved into the echoes of all of the other guests. You were the first. And um, stay tuned, everybody, because there's more echoes to come. Thank you, Twyla. And thank you, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Thank you. And we're continuing here with this echoes of Parliament. And now we have Catherine Carr here visiting us. Uh, She's from Chicago, but she was part of, of Parliament as well. And Catherine, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to, now that it's still fresh in your memory, what were some moments that you appreciate that you like about Parliament? Yeah, Parliament was so great in so many ways, uh, both in it an intra-faith way because there were pagans from different traditions from all around the world there and in an interfaith way you know I was able to meet some members of religions that I hadn't met personally before and I saw some people go oh wait this is what paganism is this is awesome so it was really nice to see that understanding started and maybe uh healing some divisions and I'm going to put you on the spot because um, I know you heard something about the Pagan Faith Room. Oh, yes. Can you tell us what did you hear and where did you hear that? And kind of like well, what, I, what context. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the Pagan Faith Room was really amazing. Um, everyone has probably heard by now that Twyla York put it together. And it was this very vibrant, warm, hospitable space. And there were always people in there, which was amazing because I, I visited a couple of the faith rooms near us that didn't have a lot of, of foot traffic going on. But by the end of the week, um, we got to have some really gratifying moments. There was a, um, a group of scientists that wanted to present and they had not been able to get space in the main parliament because it's so competitive. 
for the you know presenters from around the world but we let them present there and that was a really beautiful presentation and that led to you know those folks and some other people talking about just the incredible spirit of hospitality and um it was it was just really good to hear because the pagans were feeling it amongst ourselves but other people at parliament were also feeling like the pagans are people that are going to be you know warm and hospitable to me they're somewhere i can go if i need help or support and that really meant a lot to us absolutely and you as well as i right we followed uh twyla's advice to go to other events not only to yes. concentrate with pagan events so tell us tell us a little bit about what events did you visit or which talks or panels you found interesting and did you meet people of other faiths yeah definitely definitely so one place i love for meeting people at parliament is the langer or lunger excuse me seek corrected me on that pronunciation so i'll share it with the world it's spelled langer but it's pronounced lunger like hunger um and that's a great space because they seat everyone they basically assign seats so if you go with someone you just met you can be seated next to each other or you can be seated next to a complete stranger so i i got to meet my first zoroastrianist who was not born in the united states which was great because I had a lot of questions about their theology. Um, I also went to, I am a big fan of the practical panels they have, like the how to do interfaith community service actions, how to do scientific research in your religious community without a lot of funding. Uh, there was a really amazing panel on restorative justice that I loved because it had a, um, like a PhD who gave us all these statistics and facts and figures about recidivism. But then it also had this agape minister who talked to us about the, the meanings of the words that are used in the Bible in Aramaic for love and justice and all of these. So it was really lovely to have those perspectives together. Is there a faith tradition or people's that you had a different opinion before before parliament and now after parliament you're like oh maybe i can see this with a different perspective you know i've got to admit and this is going to be a little controversial in two different ways that parliament was really healing for me and christianity because I had encountered a lot of Christians who were very, very anti-pagan and just very anti a lot of stuff. You know, it's always the most obnoxious people in any community that are the loudest. So that was a lot of my experience. But at Parliament, there were uh, Christian pastors from a number of denominations who were really open and really wanted to learn and support people who were doing any kind of work that was helping people. So that actually did improve my opinion of oh gosh maybe there are churches that we can work with maybe there are churches that have common goals in terms of helping people so that is great and uh i add to that comment actually there was this uh i don't know if you were present or not at the women's assembly and there was this uh christian um pastor woman i guess is the name uh, and she was amazing. So yeah, I I love to hear that some Christians are. She said the words, you know. She says I would not let people 
um, use the name of my religion to do harm. And that's why she started doing her activism. Her name escapes me at this moment, but uh, it was amazing. So, uh, Catherine, I also wanted to tap right quick into your book because I know you you are just you had just premiered this book it's a very very new book uh World Soul tell us a little bit about your book yeah definitely so World Soul the full title is World Soul Healing Ourselves and the Earth Through Pagan Theology I know that's a mouthful um and it's a book that I've wanted to write for a very long time because I come from, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I come from a very theological background. And so many pagan books out there are very practical, which is great. But then I hear people saying, you know, oh, my, you know, my Christian friend asked me this theology question and I didn't know how to answer it. Or I'm struggling with this theological idea from my last faith. Like, what is the pagan take on that? So this book is really a beginner's guide to answering this question. And I thought it was really important to have it come out around Parliament because we were meeting to discuss, you know, fighting for freedom and fighting against human rights violations. And they specifically had an emphasis on gender-based oppression, on indigenous rights and autonomy, on... Um, environmental crises that are causing actually the biggest humanitarian disaster happening right now is a drought slash famine in Africa and no one's talking about it because well I'll let you speculate about why but um, and I feel like these are things that pagans really do very well with because some of the criticisms we get from other religions are like oh you're so you know supportive of gender minorities in leadership that it makes us uncomfortable you attribute so much theological value to the earth that we feel it's idolatrous and so i was like we need to be looking at some of these theological issues not just as pagans but as interfaith leaders to be like what is some of the theological thinking that might be holding us back from addressing these crises so this book is it's for the pagans it's for the pagan curious and it's for people who are really trying to address this type of crisis and maybe are not sure why their faith community isn't being more effective at it. What a wonderful uh, way of teaching us. And for some of us who have been practicing, whether it's been 10 years or 10 hours, I think it's important that we understand our theology and that we don't fall on the same paradigm that we criticize, right? To just follow blindly something without knowing why we do it. So I think it's very important that this book comes to fill that need of understanding theologically why we do certain things or why we stand up for certain causes and, and things like that. So... Um, one of my favorite memories of Parliament, and I have to say it, is you. For me, Aww. because I am a disabled woman, I have a, a invisible disability, and so speaking of stereotypes and and um, labels, right? I don't look like I'm disabled, so a lot of people label me as you know just lazy or fat or whatever. And I have to tell folks that a lot of the times I couldn't do things 
And Catherine was very, very generous because she puts her money on her mouth and she was really literally picking the weight of my things. So thank you so much, Catherine, for throughout the whole week of parliament um, for being my hands. I, I think I told you a couple of times, thank you for being my hands, but yeah, uh, I, I want to say it um, here to, again, you know, thank you for being my hands. Um, what would you tell somebody that is on the fence and don't know if they want to go to parliament or not? What will be the speech elevator that comes from you? Why go to parliament? I I really do think it's a very healing experience and there are there are things that you experience that can't be substituted with just intellectually knowing something right. So there are experiences you can have that can change your nervous system. My my background is in neuroscience, so I'm very big on understanding that. Um I do know that for a lot of people the cost was an obstacle because there is, you know, there's tickets, there's transportation. So I would encourage folks to look into, there are more budget-friendly ways. You know, if you can go as part of a group of five or more, you can get a significant ticket discount. Um, there are maybe more budget-friendly ways to, to get lodging and such if you're not local to the area. So I would really encourage people to look into that and not just see, you know, the sticker price and be like, wow, that's, that's too much for me. Cause it really is a very meaningful experience. And there are some ways of, you know, getting group rates and volunteering that I wish I had known to tell people about earlier for this parliament. So it's worth researching. I love what you just said. There are some experiences that need to happen in person and they, they will change because it's intangible. I don't think I, I I cried so much throughout the whole week, and the majority of those tears were obviously healing, uh, but some of them were happy tears, you know. And you will be surprised of how much all that faith, without mining which level of faith, um. It moves you. It really yeah. moves you. And getting people together was was so good because there are a lot of, you know, differences that different faith leaders have. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm never going to work with that person because da, 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 da. And then you sit with them in person and you talk about your lived experiences and the services that you offer. And after a little while, it's like, gosh, I can really see myself, you know, working with this person and if they have flaws even maybe you know try to help them do better on that so it, it was a really powerful experience indeed well thank you so much Catherine as always for being so generous uh generous with your time at this moment and uh until we meet again we're we're both local here in Chicago so hopefully we can continue collaborating and thank you so much for being on the show and to the public I will say don't go anywhere because we're coming back with more Echoes of Parliament, this Lunatic Monday special. Stay tuned. And here we are with our next Echoes of Parliament. And yes, he is the lucky one. He is the only <laughs> guy that is here on a sea of women. But I really wanted uh, Alexander Cabot to be part of this show. 
Alexander, it was such a good uh, thing that we got to finally meet each other in person. We've been friends online for a couple of years now. And um, thank you for being on the show and thank you for being part of the Echoes of Parliament. Um, how are you and how was your visit at Parliament? <laughs> I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Uh, Parliament was an amazing experience that I take to heart uh, of community, of humanity, of love, of so many uh, diversity in, within our ideology, our religious systems throughout the world. So I was overwhelmed with being there not only to represent the Cabot tradition, the Cabot Kent Hermetic Temple of Salem, Massachusetts, and also myself uh, holding up the priesthood, but I I was and is the first Cabot to be there at Parliament of World Religion. And I would say that it was a, an, a just a, a total, overwhelmness of love from everyone, the support that we got not only within our own uh, denomination of paganism and, you know, uh, Wicca, nature-based uh, religions, but also others, the, the other Abrahamic faiths, how supportive, how united they were with us and actually they were quite jealous of how we were able to contribute and be um with levity and 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 mirth with throughout the whole uh parliament so i was i was just awestruck with with the support that we got throughout all denominations the which is truly the the title of interfaith reunion i love to have seen you there and to have a good time and there were so many laughs and photos and i have this wonderful photo with you and uh their twilight has given us bunny ears and then i've shown the photo to um somebody that says oh i love that uh the fact that you are able to represent your faith and also have fun in the midst and i think that is exactly what what is what you just conveyed to us outside of the pagan world did you visit any other events that were not like any panels or anything that was not pagan and if you did what left a lasting experience uh, in you i took a i took a stroll around many other obviously the abrahamic uh denominations and also uh within the lgbtq community I was really uh, wonderfully awestruck when when um, uh, Alan, I forget I forgot his first name. Chris. He did a, a presentation. He's Chicago based on um, which and and uh, he's an author as well. And so he represented not only. Uh, paganism but also the lgbtq community plus so it was it was great to see this the support in every aspect of humanity 
that's that's the the love but i have to be there there was something that i was not i was invited by the corellians uh i've always heard of parliament i never thought about going to parliament but i was invited by reverend dal lewis first and then coordinated by Lori blackman because they wanted to have me on a panel uh, where witchcraft and the word witch would be represented. Uh, unfortunately, it was declined due to that aspect, due, due to the fact that uh, the, the, the connotation of witch and witchcraft. So I was very disappointed about that. Um, maybe that needs to be looked into. Uh, addressed, um, most likely, um, you know, taken taken to heart that we need to have the word witch, have the word witchcraft within our practice, not sugarcoated only with nature base or um, goddess worship. And that's one of the things that was my pet peeve. So there is the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. that I experienced from Parliament, but that is definitely one of them, um, which is the only one that I we were declined that opportunity to bring to you my ministry in Brazil with relig religious tolerance um, that I did in 2014. It was an ecumenical parade with the polytheistic uh, worships throughout Brazil the African diasporas. And so um, I was I was able to conjure up that presentation, unfortunately was declined by the chairman of our own umbrella. So um, that's something that has to be addressed in order for future uh, representation and for us to be represented correctly with the word witch and witchcraft. And what are some of these, uh, besides that, obviously, um, the little bites, the little tastes that you take now back out of Parliament and into your local community? Um, meeting, meeting, for instance, you were, you know, optimal in representing the female, um, you know, within our own structure, within our own ideology, you were there and and I was totally proud of that moment that you represented us um, with dignity, with love, with humanity. Um, you were the first female speaker, I believe. And that was that really warmed my heart to have you there. And I was so proud for your that moment. Uh, for you to shine and to show your energy and love and of humanity to everyone. Thank you so much. I was not expecting that, uh, but thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I will have to tell you and everybody else that it was really an honor to represent not only as a witch, as a pagan, as a as a goddess, priestess, as a woman, but also as an immigrant, you know, as a Correct. person that has been uttered 
and um, it was a great experience. And it was so funny because I, and I've been weaving in and out my personal echoes into this show. And this is a perfect moment to share that at one moment, uh, Reverend Selena Fox was doing live videos. I think she called you on one of those. <laughs> And she called me on one and she's like, so you, uh, I think she said bilingual priestess, what do you have to say? And so I started speaking Spanish, you know, and I was telling the, the people, you know, wherever I go, I take you with me. And uh, it doesn't matter where I'm going. You're always going to be represented because I take you with me. And then she goes, okay, can you now say it in English? <laughs> <laughs> and so I literally took over her Instagram and, and, made it into Spanish for a little bit, but you know, it, it is such a wonderful, such a great playground, I guess, to be able to share our toys for a minute. Have that opportunity yeah. to share that energy and love for humanity and to represent our own ideology, which Absolutely. is back within the, the religious faiths, but we're a part of that interfaith. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alexander Cabot. It's always a pleasure to be in your presence and to share wisdom with you. Thank you for being here. And well, I have you. to ask people, please don't go anywhere because we're coming back. We are coming back with more echoes of Parliament 2023. Don't go anywhere. And now we have more echoes of Parliament. And I'm here with dear wonderful teacher, wonderful witch, and also, I'm so blessed to say, wonderful friend, Byron Ballard. Byron, welcome to this Lunatic Monday special, Echoes of Parliament of the World Religions 2023. How are you? I am okay. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to this. It was an extraordinary event, wasn't it? It was extraordinary. I keep telling uh, whoever listened, it feels like August of 2023 was a whole year in one week. Like that is how impactful Parliament was for me. And that's how it feels almost like it separates time on this huge wedge of before Parliament and after Parliament. At least that's my experience. I was so moved and inspired by everything that I experienced. and. As I told the, the listeners on the first Echoes with Twyla, I will be weaving in and out my experiences of Parliament as I listen to yours. But uh, tell me, Byron, was this your first in-person Parliament? Yes, it was my first Parliament, but not my first interfaith work. I've been doing interfaith work for 25 years, at least in different locations, and was I was very active for a time with um, with a different interfaith group called United Religions Initiative. So I attended a couple of their big uh, events, uh, notably the North America Summit for the URI, which was in Salt Lake City. So the the concept was not unfamiliar to me of the parliament, but uh, it certainly was huge and and overwhelming and uh, and just extraordinary to think about all those different kinds of people being together. Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, there was. Hmm? Go ahead, please. Um, well, there there were things about it that I loved. I loved the processions of people because I'm very visual. 
I love to see people in either their native costumes or their uh, their religious, their spiritual uh, outfits. I loved seeing all that. I, I love the idea of people of different religions being able to come together in something like peace and harmony. But we were also very aware that when we entered the parliament, the main hotel every day, we went through metal detectors and our bags were inspected because gathering together in a, in a multi-faith way like that can be dangerous, could potentially be dangerous. And there, there were potential hazards to that. All that being said, and I, I loved an awful lot of the speakers. I loved every class that I attended. I got so much out of. But my old feminist self has an issue every time I'm in a, in a situation like that with where are the women speaking. So there were women doing all the work. There was no question about that. There were tons of women doing all the work. But when it came to those plenary sessions and the one that I wrote most about was the one where I kept waiting. So when is a woman going to appear? When is, is the mayor really going to interrupt that talk because he's so important? He has to interrupt a speaker because he's got to get somebody else, got to get somewhere else. Somebody couldn't clear the mayor's calendar for a whole hour so that that could happen. So that, that kind of stuff, it just, it doesn't make me mad because I expect it, but it annoys me. So I was annoyed by that. And I'm waiting, where is a woman? When is a woman going to speak at the plenary? When, when, when? Finally, finally, here's a woman on stage. And who is she? She is my dear friend, Laura Gonzalez. And you are dressed in such a way that I immediately burst into tears. Immediately. And your notes, if you had notes, I couldn't tell if you were speaking from notes or not, but you had a picture in front of you that you had drawn of the goddess. And I thought this was worth waiting for. If I had to wade through all of the talking heads at the opening plenary to see you there in your power and your authority and the goddess with you, both literally and metaphorically, that was so beautiful. But I found myself again and again saying, where are the women, where are the women? I was uh, disappointed that there was a women's track and that mostly women attended that as though the issues that affect women don't affect the rest of the population, that I, I understand why they do that. I do, but I don't want them to do that. I want it all to be so important to all of us as human beings that we all come together. I, I had to notice that, that the discussion on reproductive, reproductive rights and Abortion was one of the last sessions of the entire thing. Yep. It was first thing in the morning. It was poorly attended. It was a brilliant panel, tons of good information. But it got, not only did it get relegated to the very back and the very last, but there, there was nothing about how this, this is a huge religious issue. It's a huge religious issue, certainly in this country. So I appreciated the women's village. I loved that. I loved that I could go there and it would be quiet and peaceful because it almost always was. But I wanted to feel like women could be in any of those villages. And that was not necessarily the case. 
I don't know that I was always welcome there. And heaven knows I wasn't dressed like a witch, quote unquote. I didn't have a big pointy hat on or anything else. I just had regular street, you know, fancy street clothes. But I, I, I wanted more. And I found myself once a day doing um, doing a live, a Facebook live from the parliament. And if people are interested in those, they're going to be up for a few more days, I think, where I would talk about how the other thing I need from interfaith, and it's the reason I've stepped back from it for so long, is that, yes, we are really good with meeting with our friends who are in different religions. We can do that. We can learn how to say the appropriate greeting for the appropriate holy day so that you don't say happy Rosh Hashanah and you don't and you remember that you don't invite your Muslim friend for lunch during Ramadan. I mean all of that is important stuff to know, but that's pretty simple. I want to talk about the real questions. I want to talk to the people who are not at the table. I want to talk to the people who despise me because of my religion and the people who endanger me because of my religion and because of their take on my religion. I want interfaith to go so much deeper than it can go at an enormous event like this, where really we are just learning a little bit about each other. We are making friends with people who follow a religion that we maybe don't know anything about. We are listening to the call for prayer that unless you live in a metropolitan area where there are a lot of Muslims, you're not going to hear the call to prayer. And it's so beautiful. And it really does welcome you. Whether you go to the mosque to pray or the Islamic center to pray is immaterial. But when you hear that, your heart leaps up and you want to, if you are a deist of some kind, you want to pray. And I don't, I don't have to use that song to pray to that particular deity, but it reminds me, oh, that might be a good time right now to ground myself and have a little word of prayer with herself as I think of her. So I would, I would encourage anyone who is interested in interfaith uh, cooperation to attend an interfaith group in your area and when you can to attend something like the Parliament of the World's Religions, because you'll learn a lot. And you'll also learn a lot about yourself, because you'll be talking about your religion a lot. Yep. I, I spoke to several people who said, why would you use the word pagan? That's such a pejorative word. And I had the opportunity of sitting down with them and going, let me tell you where that word comes from. Mm-hmm. That word is a is the is an offshoot of a Latin word, and let me tell you why we use it. And to be able to talk to people who maybe were afraid or uncomfortable, maybe is a better word, um, about the way I self-identify, I had an opportunity to at least to at least present that to them from my point of view what that means, and that is really really important. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared. And I was going to ask you, you know, what was the most moving? What was the most, you uh, have already answered all of my questions. And and if I may just share with the world, Byron, some very intimate moment that you and I have. And with your permission, I, I will share. Because as I came down the stage, um the first thing that I saw was your post on Facebook where you said that I was the first woman speaking up at parliament, um, speaking a prayer. 
And that led into some confusion. And some folks ran with the idea that I was the first pagan ever to be on the stage <laughs> of parliament or the first pagan women ever done it. And it has since been clarified. No, I'm not the first pagan ever. No, I'm not the first pagan speaking on the, on the, you know. But as I was having a moment with Byron on Wednesday, when we finally had a very Wednesday or Thursday, I think we had a chance to sit down in a resting area and we were having this beautiful conversation. And I told Byron, I know I'm not the first woman or the first pagan ever, but I say I'm the first fat, indigenous, immigrant, disabled, vegan, queer, Mexican, pagan, priestess, witch, woman. With blue hair. With blue hair. <laughs> and Byron said to me, you were up there with all your crowns. And I was, what? And then she repeated, you were up on the stage with all your crowns. And with that phrase, you single-handedly rewired the chemistry on my brain to see all the different um, diversities that traverse me in this intersectional body that I inhabit, not as intersections of me, but as my crowns. This is what makes me me as a mm -hmm. as as a royal, right? As a monarch of Laura. And I think that is one of my best memories and it's something that I will cherish for as long as I live. And no, I was not the first this, that, and the other. I was the first Laura Gonzalez with blue hair on that stage. And that's <laughs> good enough. And if I made one person feel seen, happy, and content, that's what matters. Absolutely. Because you were, you were in your power. You weren't, um, you didn't make yourself small energetically, physically, spiritually. You were there in all of your strength and all of your power. And that's what I personally, and I have no idea who else, but I personally needed to see that. I needed to see a, a goddess woman walk out in her authority after having listened to all of those other talking heads. I needed you to say, I am here. We are here. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And the important. last line, the last line of what I read is oh blessed woman you know because we were there as goddess as earth as women i appreciate so much your perspective and your memories and your echoes of parliament and no i am not making it about me it's just i, I just so happen to have been there and <laughs> and i but, appreciate but it is about us it is individually about all of us and how we connected in how how and where we were accepted and how and where we were brushed aside. Yeah. 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 So it is. Yeah. And I think it's a wonderful experience. And as I was telling you uh, behind the scenes, to me, that one week of parliament is like a whole year of, of living. 
it was that touching, it was that moving, it was that inspiring. And it reiterated my commitment to goddess. It just reiterated my commitment to goddess. So it's wonderful. And thank you so much, um, Byron, for being here. For be- Thank you so much, Byron, for being Back at you. <laughs> Thank you so much for <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, to whoever is listening, please don't go away. We have a few more echoes of Parliament coming next. And we're back here with more echoes of Parliament. And I am so honored to have with me this wonderful woman we had just met briefly during the time of Parliament. And I remember the first image that I have on my head of her because she was gyrating and singing and hooting and hollering and screaming and guiding women into the women's assembly. And I saw this tall, lean, blonde woman and I say, who is she? She's loud. Uh, as in, I like it, that how loud you wear. And that is what is here in my brain. You know, that's how I saw you leading a long, long line of diverse in age, in size, in color, in body's abilities, uh, all these women that were following you into the main hall for the Women's Assembly. And I immediately started hooting and hollering and screaming right behind all of you. Um, One of the many people I'm sure that were behind creating the Women's Village, but Primordially, I invited you today because of the Women's Village. Welcome, Sandy Hart. How are you? Oh, I'm so tickled and delighted to be here. Thank you, Laura, for having me. So tell us a little bit about your relationship to Parliament of the World Religions and how this magnificent space called the Women's Village came to be. Mm, Yeah. So in 2001, I became an interfaith activist the morning of 9-11. I woke up and heard gather the women. And that's what I did. I had no understanding of what that meant. I was the director of sales and marketing for a major home builder. I didn't have any understanding of what that meant, but I said yes. And I went in that direction. And and that was 22 years ago that uh, we've been meeting as an organization and we call ourselves Sarah, the mother of all nations. And so because of my interfaith engagement and involvement, I learned about the Parliament of the World's Religions and my first parliament was in Melbourne in 2009. And um, it was just a transformational experience. And at the time there were just a few programs on women or women in the goddess um, and then comes Salt Lake City, the next parliament, um, three or four years, four years later. And um, and that parliament, there was the first women's track of programs. I want to say 30 or 40 workshops and panels um, and expressions of feminine leadership, women in power, um, issues that impact women directly, disproportionately, women and girls, and the first women's assembly, and that just that just blew my mind. The women's assembly, and so many seeds were planted 
by being in a room of thousands of women hooting and hollering, um, as you saw me do, um, at the speakers who were speaking our truth to power. And there were primordial screams. They were coming out of our toes. You know, it was just like undeniable. And I'm getting full body right now, just remembering it, cellular memory, exactly. And so um, when I found myself in Toronto, it seemed to kind of flatten out in terms of the energy. So, and and the virtual was just a different experience. The virtual parliament was a different experience. But come being on the women's task force, um, for Chicago, I had a bigger voice and I could say, we've got to step it up. We really have to make this a love letter to every woman who was in that room, to every woman who was in the stage, every woman we touched and all the, all that was birthed and unleashed in that day on that day, thanks to Phyllis Karat, um, that, it really needs to be a love letter to her and to women in general, that there be something bigger. What do we do that's next? What's the next step on um, upping, you know, spiraling up that energy? And um, I knew from past experiences, from past parliaments, that some of the juiciest and most um, inspirational, powerful relationships came from just sitting down on a bench and taking a load off or sitting down next to somebody at the Lungar, you know, this beautiful lunch and that the Sikh community puts on every year, every parliament, um, or finding yourself on a bus next to somebody shuttling back to your hotel. That, those spontaneous, random, you know, meetings is really where we get to know one another. So I knew that whatever we did involved benches. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, what if we had a space that was unique for women, that was that was lit like women environments are lit, that had, was comfortable for women to sit down and inviting. Um, we created that space for, for conversation. We weren't telling them what to talk about, although we did have tabletops with... Um, in, with you know dialogue prompts and things like that nobody stopped to look at them I don't think um and then it grew from there this third we were given 1300 square feet in a main foyer and we built a village in the village you built in the village touch so many hearts I know firsthand that it touched so many people and so many people felt safe and comfortable and welcomed and I was very busy I, I have been telling people my little echoes throughout the show and I think I saved the best for last I had to because you know the, the women's village literally changed my life and I know it, it's been only a, a mere couple of weeks but it feels like it's been a year you know because August was so packed with so many experiences and Monday and Tuesday I was very very busy our parliament doing my you know commitments of service to the community pagan community and um, indigenous community and the community the Chicago interfaith community at large so on Wednesday I discovered the women's village because I was looking for a workshop that was going to happen there 
I ultimately ended up not being able to attend the workshop. However, I was part of an impromptu women's circle that happened right outside of the red tent. And of course, what happened there is not public. I cannot share what happened. But what happened in my life and how it affected my life is I felt safe. I felt welcomed. I felt seen and heard. And more than anything, I felt with a community that had my back and with people that will go to the highest mountains with me. And long lasting relationships were built at that place in that moment. I mean, I think I've been speaking daily, if not bi-weekly with some of the women that were at that place at that moment. And then of course, after I discovered the women's village, I never left. And whether I had a commitment in the morning or in the afternoon, my base was the women's village. And I'm happy to share with you and whoever is listening that I immediately emerged out of parliament into, I'm going back to do women's circles. I've been doing women's circles online for a long, long time. Then I tried to move them in person here in Chicago. And then shortly after COVID happened and I was doing them online and then I stopped because we were also preoccupied on surviving and where the next meal is going to come from and what, what is the next ticket and who is sick and who do we have to take care of. And I forgot for a, for a minute, I forgot actively that I'm a priestess of the goddess and the women's village brought me back to what I am which is a priestess of the goddess and yes i'm getting emotional because i'm a very emotional woman and it, it was just magnificent it was wonderful and it was a place i never ever take off my shoes ever and uh, especially not in a public place <laughs> I was so tired from walking those long hallways and doing 10 to 12 to 13,000 steps a day. The only place that I was able to actually sit down and kick my shoes off was at the women's village. So thank you, Sandy. And thank you to everybody who was there. And one more thing that is part of my echo. I have known for probably a decade now that in Latin America, Spanish-speaking countries, Mexico, Central and South America, the goddess icon, the goddess archetype is utilized for women's liberation. And it's not so much a religious symbol or a um, religious or, or spiritual symbol, but it's more like an icon of liberation and, and strength. And I was wondering where would I find that translated to the English speaking community. And I saw it at the village because it was so wonderful to see women, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, um, Christian, Catholic, pagan, Wiccan, Asatru, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I know all the religions that were represented, but there were women there wearing their um, clothing according to their practice. And not all of them were pagan or Wiccan or 
you know, it, it was truly just the call of the goddess, no label. And the call for women to feel comfortable. So thank you. Thank you. And would you like to tell us a little bit about how many people were involved into creating that beautiful atmosphere? I will. And I want to thank you for listening to that divine tug to be there. Um, we created the space. We ordered the benches. We brought the water fountain. We built the mother tree. We did an earth altar. We wrapped instead of walls. We had women's woven voices tapestries. We created space that was voluminous, actually. It's what you brought into that space that made it sacred. You and all the women, and there were men too, that were feeling safe there. One of my favorite pictures is a man taking a nap on a bench. <laughs> felt, people felt safe there. And that's what we, that's what mothers do. Mothers are intended to make our love, beloved safe. And isn't that enough to touch your heart? And that's all that we did. And, but it wouldn't have meant anything if you didn't show up in that same energy. So I thank you and anyone who walked into the village. Um, who was involved in this? I The team that I was so blessed to um, be involved with, because it was such a collective energy. Um, there were about eight of us. No, there were about six of us in the core group. And then we had a sub-circle of what we considered hostesses that would do other things. But the core group was intended to really hold the space. We met for nearly a year, every week, every week for a year. And everything we did, we ensured that it was sacred at the center all the way through. We had other plans for other things, and we found ourselves struggling to make these things happen. And then we sit back and go, oh, wait, that's not what wants to happen. We were so held on, holding on to having the, you know, certain fixtures or certain things. And we realized, oh, and guess what? Something better happened. The whole year of organizing was held in that spirit of love, reciprocity, cooperation, collaboration. Everyone took big chunks of work to do. Um, it was such a collaborative experience. It was stunning. And, um, and then that showed up, right? And I happened to, I, I own the Zoom account. I was the one connecting with production and doing all the nitty gritty heavy lifting. Um, something came over me as a, a leader in the field of women's empowerment or women's circles or what have you. It's also my nature. Ask my mother and my sisters. I was great. I was, you know, I was born with that gene. Um, it was surprising how easy it was to step back. And, and I, over the years, of course, with women's circles, you know, I've experienced that before, but with something so big, that I felt so responsible for because my name was on everything. Cause <laughs> I was the responsible party when it came down to it. Um, then um, it was that sense of trust and love and trust is such a big word here. Mm -hmm. When you step into that space for me, it was trust. 
it was trust. And Laura, I have to tell you, the night before, well, the day before, the morning before when we came in to set it up, we turned on Bill Withers' Lovely Day and we danced all around that space. We we twirled. We we so not just a year of planning, but that morning in the space we were sacralizing it. The night when it's all done and ready for showtime, the next day, you know, ready for people to start coming. We felt as prepared as we could be and thoughtful and careful as we could be. We danced more when it was all done. When myself and just one other person were the last people standing, and everyone else had gone home, everything was packed up and shipped away. We danced it out and out. So thank you for having this conversation because it's not done. And look what can happen when we just provide space for each other. We've only begun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, um, like I was telling you before we started recording, it changed my life. I'm very happy that the Women's Village is part of the very many circumstances and happenstances that happened is that even correct to say um throughout the whole week you know i have so many blessings you know that i've received throughout the week in one of them when i was uh part of the conversation conversations at the village was certainly um the healing part of myself that said you will do work for the goddess and you will do the work for the goddess whole, not just your pagan self, you know, because I have, I don't know why, you know, try to separate my pagan identity from my indigenous identity. And it was very, very clear that she made me whole as I am. And that's the way I must serve her. You know, and uh, so thank you, and thank you to everyone that danced and hoot and holler and took off their shoes and cry, and to our men or knights or supporters or warriors or lovers, every single man that was holding space and being quiet and asking permission and and being respectful and breaking down the patriarchal barriers that pit us women against women that those days are over those days are gone those days are gone from here to the goddess ear uh we lift each other we will continue to lift each other and men can enter the space as such right as as companions as lovers as one of my, uh, another one of the very, very many memories that I made that there at the Women's Village was a dear friend who saw three of us sitting in a circle and asked if he could enter and sit with us. And all three of us women just look at each other and all three of us just agree with our eyes and then he was able to sit with us and it's beautiful, you know, to, to also see men um, from a very spiritual point of view, understanding the sacredness of the space. But because we live in this world, also from the mundane point of view, that physically you're entering a space that is dedicated for women. 
and to have the two cents to say, hey, may I sit with you? And one of my big soapboxes is men, I don't understand the benefit that women, women's work and God's work is going to bring to them. They will be allowed to feel and to express and to love and to hurt. They're not allowed tenderness. They are not allowed hurting. They are not allowed none of the things that are deemed as feminine ergo less than. And those days are over. So true. The wounded male is a real thing. So we had two intentions for the village. One was that safe place for women to convene and to demonstrate to not, and the second was to demonstrate not just to men, but to hypermasculine women as well, right? Because we're all, we're all, in, we all have the divine masculine and the divine feminine in us. So um, it's important for all of us to constantly remind each other and our male counterparts of how women solve problems, of how we convene, of what the, that space looks and feels like. Okay. So it was really important to see men in there for me. Um, and and the and in the conversations that I kind of walked by, you know, there were deep conversations that could have happened anywhere, but they happened to be happening there. So that was fine. But so there, so we, we, as women have to bring our men along, just like in school, we have to bring our boys along. Boys are starting to fall back now ac academically as well. So um, it's really important for us to bring the men along with us. Absolutely. So I gather that you were barely able to leave the site. I don't know if you were at all able to enjoy any other parts of parliament but if you did can you pinpoint a couple of memories a couple of echoes that made you happy well true i i chose not to leave the village i could because we had hostesses and it was fine um but um I, it was hard i felt like my feet were stuck to the ground or i didn't want to leave my you know the place i felt so in love in um and for me, the parliament came there. So that was meaningful. And to watch things grow and watch the earth altar grow and everything was so beautiful. The water ceremony. Um, my, uh, I had two favorite memories. Um, one was, we, now we had done a maiden mother and crone ceremony, three different days, three different workshops and ceremonies. Uh, we did a maiden ceremony and we were supposed to have 35 seventh grade girls and we were going to do a maiden ceremony with them and with women as well. And we, the girls couldn't get there for whatever reason, bus passes, or I don't know, whatever happened, they weren't there. And immediately it was like, oh, that's okay. Cause I haven't had a maiden ceremony. And we turned all the women and said, have you, has anybody here had a woman a maiden ceremony? There are like 50 or 60 women in the room anyway. And so everyone said no. And we did, we did the exact same ceremony and it was the most, I did this with Brenda Gustin and in the end, we um, sprinkled everyone with rose petals and then Brenda and I sprinkled one another. And for me, oh, there it goes again, I'm getting that cellular memory. For me, that was transformational. My goddess is approved. <laughs> my goddess approves. Mara is my goddess. Um, 
And another favorite memory, there were three actually, was the crone ceremony that Selena Fox and Jerry Hildebrand conducted. And that was transformational, really amazing, not only to be in that same space with those two extraordinary women, but to be cronized by them, <laughs> to step into my crone in that way, to be initiated in that beautiful space. Oh, mind blowing, heart expanding. It's so grateful. And then the last was you mentioned when we were um, the marching that we were marching out of our water ceremony, 200 women in the village. And we did this extraordinary uh, water ceremony with great grandmother, Mary Lyons and um, Ina Nia Iodale and, um, and 200 other women all contributing water from different sacred sites around the world that they came from. We had a Koja um, shaman with us. She played her flute and spoke and other women spontaneously showed up. We had indig indigenous drummers. But then we marched and that was what you experienced us marching and women. And I have video of women jumping in line. So you were one of them. But for me, I had my Miriam's tambourine. And if you know from the story of Exodus, it was Miriam who led people to the promised land, that land of promise. Right. And um, and she did so with her tambourine and led everyone to the water. And Ainania holding our sacred water in a copper vessel and me shaking the tambourine. Um, I was two feet off the ground the whole way. I don't remember anything other than how I felt. And that was every cell in my body was doing cartwheels, how they feel right now. So thank you for bringing that up because that was an extraordinary opportunity to hear hooting and hollering. We wanted to be loud and proud. So thank you for adding your voice to that. And it was, and I, like I say, I believe in my heart because it's my belief system that anything and everything that has to do with goddess, which is everything. Uh, but when we call her intentionally by the name, right, goddess is sacred. And to me, that was the best part of it. I, I'm sorry I didn't discover the village until Wednesday afternoon or else I would have been there the whole time. I had other places and things and situations where I needed to be, and so it was. But um, to look at the monitor and see Quatlique amongst all the other goddesses, and I remember that I just screamed, like you say, from my toes, you know, and I, I was funny. I said, Mother Quatlique on the house, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was just beautiful, and... I'm so sorry I missed the water ceremony. I have heard so much about it. But as you said earlier, and the intention of this echoes is precisely that. It didn't end on August 18th. It started. It started. And then we go from there. I, for one, I'm doing women's circles. As of the day we are recording this echoes, I have half the tickets being acquired by women who want to be on the online women's circles. So I will continue doing them once a month. And I invite everybody else who 
either was moved by Twyla or by Catherine or by Alex or uh, listen to me, Alex, Alexander, uh, or or by uh, Byron or by Sandy or by your own very own experiences, very own echoes of parliament, whether you experienced it live or you were one of those people that watch it on the online videos or Maybe you've gone to parliaments before and these echoes remind you of the work. Intrafaith, interfaith, interfaith, all the faith, all the work. Our mother needs us, the earth needs us, women needs us, and men need women and women need men. And we all need each other to fight this oppression and fight this all horrible things that are happening. It is possible, Sandy. It is possible to have all people united, you know, men, women, and everybody in between. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to, obviously, thank you to Twyla York. Thank you to Catherine Carr. Thank you to Alexander Cabot. Thank you to Byron Ballard. Thank you, Sandy Hart, for being here. And thank you, Parliament of the World Religions. And goes without say, obviously, thank you to Phyllis Carrot. Uh, the the orchestrating hand by which a lot of us are involved and um, nothing but I whatever I have left unless you have anything else that you would like to add no so. no thank you to everyone who's watching and listening because Laura you bring so much grace and power to the importance of us all tapping into our divine feminine no matter what our tradition secular ethic religion we're all embodied with that energy it it comes from our womb it's our not just a responsibility it's also our privilege yes thank you for stepping into that power and acknowledging it thank you for reminding me i have forgotten for a minute that that's my job (laughs) uh never forgotten the goddess you know forgotten to do the job and do the circles and i'm like what am i doing (laughs) you know so this was fantastic and thank you everybody for listening to the echoes of parliament this was a special edition of lunatic mondays echoes of parliament of the world religions 2023 in here chicago and just to remind you all to listen to csmp the circle century network podcast we have shows throughout the week and you can listen to us on um iTunes, Apple Tunes, whatever it's called these days, Spotify, other uh, podcast providers, or you can go to Blog Talk Radio and find Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, or you can go to www.circlecentuary.org and just look for Circle Sanctuary, the CSNP uh, section. And until we meet again, my name is Laura Gonzalez. Never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com 
backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings. <laughs>